God bless you. Turn around, just welcome each other in the wonderful name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. God is doing amazing things. Good to have you here on a Friday evening. It's a blessing to be here. Amen. You're welcome. And we look forward to what God has in store for us today. Thank the, the praise team. It's wonderful. And welcome people watching live stream at home today. This is the day the Lord has made. We are rejoicing and we are glad in it. God is doing amazing things. Praise God. I want to look at some portion of scripture this evening, beginning with the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verse 2. And I want to look at a few personalities in the Word of God and how the Lord revealed his compassion, his mercy, his love and redemptive power to them, irrespective of their background. They were the most unlikely God meets them at the place of their need. And sometimes we encounter situations in our life, we don't know why we're in places that we find ourselves, but oftentimes it's an opportunity for God to meet us at the place of our need, praise God. So I want to take this journey with you, come along on this journey, it's powerful, and the theme, the title for this message is The Power of Seven, amen, The Power of Seven. And Luke chapter 8 verse 2 says this, and a certain woman who had been healed of seven spirits and infirmities, Mary Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons. The power of seven, praise God, amen. And then I want to marry this, compare and contrast this with Luke chapter 23, verse 32, which says this. There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, they were crucified with him, crucified, and they crucified him, and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Praise. So let's bow our heads and ask the Holy Spirit to give us a rich understanding to come into the revelation of the Word of God. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your love. I pray for every special person here this evening. I pray as the Word goes out, we'll execute that which it sends out to do and will not return void. They will have tr transformative power to change us, not just externally, but internally in the depth of our hearts, as we give you the praise, the glory, and the preeminence, and we say together resounding, amen, 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 praise God. We look at these two passages, two, in, two individuals are mentioned here. One is Mary Magdalene, who the Lord delivers from seven demons, and the other one is one of the thieves at the side of the cross with Jesus. And if you look at credentials, qualifications you know he's the king of glory yet at the end when everything was over the only two people really who find themselves at that place advantage place where even his disciples run away and hid they were afraid john the evangelist was one of them who sat by the cross with mary and the other marys and we see the only personalities there were people most unlikely to be around jesus amen but one was there through choice one was there through the legal, uh, the Roman legalistic judicial process. One wanted to be there, one didn't want to be there. But nonetheless, they both had a divine, profound encounter. They met Jesus Christ. And the important thing is this, is that get to Jesus, irrespective of where you are, just get to Jesus. Amen. Be where Jesus, things change. Because when they left Jesus, when they moved from there, when I say left Jesus, no one leaves Jesus. When you come to, to Jesus, he sticks closer than a brother. When you come to Jesus, you can never be separated from him. Because he permeates you. He should inhabit your praises. He should dwell in your hearts. He should be central to your lives. He should be the driving force. He should be the captain of your ship.
and the driver of your vehicle. He needs to be taking full control of our lives. We never leave the Lord. We know people say, well, I'm waiting for the Lord to come back. And that's a wrong attitude to have. Jesus has never left in the first place. I wish I'm speaking to say. He says, I'll be with you to the end of time. The difference is he'll have his manifest presence when he comes in the world because he should be with us already. He's here. And if he's not here, he's, he's at the door knocking and inviting, asking us to invite him into our house, into our lives, praise God, which is powerful. So I want to look at Mary Magdalene just for a few moments. And this is an unexpected redemption. Yeah? She was demon-possessed to a point which was complete, because seven speaks about complete, completion. She was possessed by seven demons. Every power was upon her. Because represented in those seven demons was every aspect of habit, of sin, that a person can possess, can be engaged with. I wish I'm speaking to someone today, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to read, I just want to let me, let me read the Gospel of Luke chapter 8, verse 1 to 2. Let's just go through this and we're going to uh, come to some understanding of, of the word itself, praise God. It says this. Now it came to pass after that he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And a certain woman had, had, who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom he had come seven demons. So the seven implies that she was completely possessed. She was hopeless and helpless, or helpless and hopeless. She was, she was affected body, soul, and spirit. Perhaps she couldn't often lift her head up from the oppression, depression, and possession she was experiencing. Hallelujah. Then comes this saviour, this Hebrew Jewish man, Passed the path, crossed the path of her life and changed everything, praise God. And what the Lord promised, speaks to us and says to us through his word is that when he comes into our lives, he'll give us, over, he'll give us power over the powers that try to oppress us. He brings liberty from our captivity. Because when the Israelites left Egypt, God gave them power. He destroyed the might of Egypt and liberated them and set them free. And when, wherever they were going, wherever place their feet, the sole of their feet stood, tread on, they had victory. They overcame. They conquered, praise God. Wherever they went, as long as they yielded and were obedient to God, they had the victory. Hallelujah, praise God. And that's what God offers his church today. He offers victory in the face of adversity. We can be victorious. In the place of oppression, we can overcome if we trust him and seek his leading and his guidance, praise God. And one of the promises, one of the words that God spoke to the Israelites when they were on the journey to, to conquest, to conquer the land that God was sending them, he gave this word, which is a promise which has a spiritual implication to it and a spiritual fulfillment. This is what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1. It says this, when the Lord, your God, brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, casting out the nations is an implication, the spiritual powers above us and around us, and only God can remove them. It's futile to try and do it ourselves. We don't make the gospel up as we go along. We trust God. We follow his leading. And it's in that we have the power and assurance in him. Because when we trust him, he fights the battle for you. He doesn't take you anywhere to be defeated. He takes you to the places that you demonstrate the power that he has flowing within you. 
That's the God that we serve. That's the God of the Bible. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so he tells them that, he says he, he'll bring them into the land which you go to possess and has, and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, the Jegusites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and Perserites, and the, and the Hevites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. They may be mightier than us, but they're not greater than God. Your problems are not greater, than, there's nothing, there's no problem you can have that can be greater than, than the God that you serve that can bring you through whatever challenge you have in your life. And he says this, and when the Lord, your God, delivers them over to you, you should conquer them and utterly destroy them. You should make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them. When God delivers us, he delivers us from the crown of our head right through to the sole of our feet. And that's the experience that Mary Magdalene had. She was possessed, he cast out seven demons, seven powers represented in the seven nations. And whatever these seven nations represented, God delivered her from every one of them, praise God. Because the Old, the Old Testament is a foreshadow. There's a lot of metaphors in the, in, the Old, in the Old Testament that we translate in our spiritual journey today. It's not about oppressing people because we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but principalities and rulers of darkness. And that's where the warfare is. It's not the person around you. It's the powers around that person that influence that person to do certain things. And we subdue those powers. We bring them down in the name of Jesus. There's power in his name. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Just want to take a little journey, etymological journey, to see the meaning of these, of these nations that the Lord gives us power over them. Now we just look at the Hittites. Uh, the Hittites are a power that comes to bring terror in our lives, to bring fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And when that perfect love, which is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, comes into our life, that fear has been dispersed. Yes, there's a beginning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But that's the beginning process. But once you know him, that fear disperses. And you feel the pureness and compassion and love and mercy and grace of God that surpasses any human understanding, praise God. Hallelujah. So that's one of the types of powers to bring terror and bring fear in and through our lives. Hallelujah. Uh, the uh, Jegusites represent those, with the, the, the etymological meaning of that, those who, who dwell in, in, in earthly places, in clay places. Amen. Pray in the soil of the world, the flesh. They're the flesh attitude. And it's that kind of power and demonic power that gets you to look with introspective, makes us look within ourselves and becomes a selfish kind of attitude, self-centered kind of attitude. That's a power. That's a demonic oppression because it brings pride, envy, jealousy. All these negative uh, passions are birth when we just gratify the flesh, the earthly things. Hallelujah. Praise God. And he said, I'm delivering you from these things. These powers will not have nothing on you. Because it wasn't the physical Canaan that God was just pointing them to. It was the Canaan of the attitude of the heart. Because Jesus later on says, not in this mountain, not in Jerusalem, but the true worshippers worship God the Father in spirit and truth. Meaning that it's our attitude. Wherever we are, that's our Canaan that we have to subdue and have, all, and have authority over the powers that be, praise God. Hallelujah. Then we have the Amorites, and the Amorites are those that speak about pride, high places, the mountain regions. Not the mountain of prayer, the mountain of pride. Hallelujah, praise God. And pride is always about, again, fixing upon me, myself, and I, uh, and so forth. Then the Canaanites, 
the Canaanites. God wants us to have power over the Canaanites. What does the word Canaanite? What's the etymological meaning of the word Canaanite? The meaning is those who exist for material things. Just consumer mentality. Want to possess. That's the Canaanites that we have. That's a demonic power that we need to overcome. We need to have subdue it and control that, not that control us. It's the want, want, or me, myself, me, grab, grab, grab mentality. Always taking but never giving out. Always want to possess, you know, increase, accumulate. Yeah, we want to hold things on. We want to hold things. We don't let anything, we don't give anything, even our rubbish, we don't want to give away sometimes. And we hold whatever's around our lives. We clatter everywhere, praise God. And that's one of the powers that God wants to help us overcome in our, in our journey to our promised land. Be liberated, become free of these things. Uh, par- parasites, those are the ones with limited outlook. They're blinkered, they're blinded by the vision that God wants to give us. Yeah? And oftentimes, the things that we desire sometimes blind us through the things that God wants to give us. I wish I'm speaking to someone. Sometimes the things that we desire limit our vision because we're fixated on that because what you look at, you amplify and it becomes magnified and you miss out the bigger picture, the bigger plan that God has for your life. And we need to be careful of these powers, these mindsets, whatever they may be. Hallelujah. The Hevites talks about irrationality, glorifying irrational limitations. The beastly level of life, yeah, because we devolved. God made us rational to reflect His image and His like. Be actually have His image and His likeness, but we devolved and went beneath the animal realm, which was irrational. I wish I'm speaking to someone, and I often teach about that. Why Jesus came? Who is rationality? Jesus is the rationality that we need to have. That's why Paul says, "Have this mind, which was also in Christ Jesus." Restore that rationality. Restore your back to the place where you had fallen from. Hallelujah, praise God. And that was the plan, the intention of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then we have the Jebusites, and it speaks about the, 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 the attitude, defeated, to be defeated. What's the word? Defeatist attitude. That woe is me, we're pessimistic all the time. We always think what we cannot do and not see what we can do. That's why Paul cancels this power out, but says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And change your outlook, change your attitude, change your vocabulary, because there's power in the words. Hallelujah, praise God. So these are the powers represented in these seven nations that God gives subdued and defeated them. The greater powers than ourselves, because without God, we cannot overcome these. If you have a habit, you will not be able to overcome your habit unless God is in the equation of your situation. You need to invite the Lord, take control, help me, get through, help me overcome. And that comes through prayer. And sometimes prayer and fasting, because Jesus said to the disciples, sometimes there's powers that cannot be overcome unless we pray and we fast, but ultimately seek him and do it in his name. And I pray tonight that I'm encouraging you to do everything in his name. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, there are the, the, the early church identified seven carnal sins. Yeah. Identify seven that, that control man. And they're very, they identify with the seven nations. And perhaps this, is, this reflects what Mary, the condition Mary Magdalene was in when the Lord came. 
And we sometimes hide this. People hide this. Sometimes it's not always the obvious, the manifestations that need to people who manifest all the time that need to be delivered. That you know what you're dealing with. It's the ones who are not manifesting the quiet, the secret powers that subdue and hold people captive that need to be addressed at the root of the situation. Yeah? Because unless you acknowledge you have that problem and that challenge, you cannot be liberated from that. The beginning to be liberated from any habits and any power is to acknowledge there's something going on there. And the seven deadly sins, I should say, they're this. Lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, that's laziness, wrath, which is anger, envy, and pride. And perhaps these were represented, represented in the seven demons that Mary Magdalene, Magdalene was delivered from. Hallelujah. And Paul takes, continues this, the power of the seven in this way when he writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 35. He says this, because there are powers around us that are trying to subdue us and destroy us and sideswipe us from reaching the destination God has for us. And he says he's made the way. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. And only through him we can get to the destination, which is our Father in heaven. Hallelujah. To the place allotted for us. Our portion is in God because we are the priestly tribe. If you look at the, if you look at the history of Israel, the Exodus, when every, every tribe was allotted a portion of the land, the only tribe that did not have a portion of the land was the Levitical tribe because the word of God said, God said, I am their portion. It says God is their portion. The priestly tribe does not have a portion in the world because God is our portion. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Hallelujah. And so Paul counters this and says this about the seven powers that try to keep us away from our destiny, who we should be and who God is for us. And this is how he identifies it. Romans chapter 8, verse 35, he says this. Who should separate us from the love of Christ? And the purpose... The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. John chapter 10, verse 10 says this. And this, this is the, the, the mandate of the, of, the, of the powers that be in the world. They come to take away our relationship with God. And when they take our relationship with God, they disarm us and take away our relationship from each other. Because we do not war, our, our warfare is not carnal, but mighty in, in God in bringing down strongholds. And if they take God away, we no, no longer have that power to overcome the powers that be. He says the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. He wants to come and take away what God wants to give you. But you don't know you are more powerful than him or he who is in you is more power than him. So you appeal to God to help you overcome those powers. Hallelujah, praise God. And so Paul says this, who should separate us from the love of Christ? Says, should tribulation, should the difficulties around us separate us from Jesus, from Jesus Christ? Should my tribulation, my, my persecution, whatever I'm going through, is that a reason to stop following the Lord? Is that an excuse? For what reason? What reason can I give to say, you know what, I don't want to serve you anymore or I want to do something else? It says true tribulation, distress. When we're in distress situation, should I turn? Should I turn my eyes away from God? When Paul says, "Be anxious, be be anxious for nothing, but in all things make your requests made to God," and that's where we get the peace of God. So, if you're distressful, who do you call upon? God. Yeah. Persecution. Should that be a reason why I turn away from God when people come against me because of the belief, because of my faith? 
with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Is that an excuse? Is that a reason I should stop following the Lord? Should famine? Should my deprivation be deprived of something that I want, my physical sustenance? When I just lean on God and says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God will sustain you. You may eat physical food, but you may not be alive. You may not have whatever you would, the delicacies, delicacies of the world, but you'll be more alive than the people in the world. Oh, I wish I'm speaking to someone. When Daniel went into the courts of Babylon, what did he do? He refrained from the delicacies of Babylon. Yeah? He went on a vegetable diet. He said, I don't want these things. I want to just focus on my Lord. I don't want to be contaminated by the, the things, the, the, the nutrition of the world, the falsities of the world, the poison of the world. Because isn't it not true? It's by virtue of the fruit of the true and evil, of good and evil, that, that we lost our position with God. So famine, I would have rather had not had that food and gone abstained and not had that food and not been in this condition. I wish I'm speaking to you. You need to think deep in the word of God. Hallelujah. Should nakedness, yeah? You know, so there's different ways we can be naked. We can be exposed. Our character can be exposed. Nakedness, yeah? We can be upon not just physical, but spiritual nakedness, Yeah? And we could be ripped. It's, it's like it, we, we should not dress ourselves with the things of the world. When Joseph lost two coats, he lost and he was given, he was given three. He had three coats. He, was, he lost his coat for his brothers, taking it from him, ripping it apart and saying to his father that an animal had killed him. He lost his coat in Potiphar's house when he ran, Potiphar's wife had desires of him. He'd rather run naked than be dressed in immorality. Come on. We cover ourselves with all falsities. And all, it's best to be naked before God. Yeah? So naked shouldn't be a reason why we should, we should give up on God, that to, to separate us from God. When, it, when Adam was, God was calling Adam, he says, where are you? Because I knew I was naked. Well, that's not an excuse to not come close to me. Come to me in your nakedness, and I will dress you with righteousness. I will dress you with virtue. I will dress you with blessing. I will dress you with mercy. I will dress you with compassion. Come to me as you are. Don't go to Savile Road or to one of these high shops with all the brand, the, the, these, these. Come to me as you are. Yeah? Shupero, what we're going through. There shouldn't be a reason. Should the sword, even if our life is threatened, we're standing at the end of the, of, of the blade. Is that a reason to give up on God? Hallelujah. When we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that cuts and divides the power of seven. How you see that changes everything. You can turn that power of seven to the, your advantage if, you, if you're wise, if you let God in the equation. He says, no, nothing can separate us. In fact, he tells us, Paul tells us something profound. He says something more important. He says this in verse 37. This is 8.37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. And I'm getting it, giving it out there to the way uh, airwaves. And I'm saying we are more than conquerors. It says through him who loved us. Then he gives the power of the nine. And he goes to say this. Verse 38. 
For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing should be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. Nothing can separate you from the love of the Lord. Once you connect to him, and he liberates you from the seven, then no power after that can take advantage over you, praise God, because God continually loves you even if you don't love him. His mercy transcends our emotions. So when we're having a bad day, God still loves you in your bad day, and he still loves you in your good day when you're praising him. And when you don't feel it up to praise him, he's still going to love you when you're, when you're down as well, love you the same as when you're up. He's going to love you whether you're following him or whether you're distracted. His love never changes. He's consistent, praise God. Hallelujah. And when the young, rich, young man met him and knelt down, and pleaded with him and said to him, good teacher, what good work must I do to inherit eternal life? There's nothing what we do that we can inherit eternal life. We can do the best we can do. It's never be good enough without him. He's the one that adds perfection to our imperfection. That adds us the supernatural to our natural. Acts the, gives the possibilities to our impossibilities, praise the Lord. He's the one who does that, not you or I. If we think we're anything, just wake up and apologize. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 10, verse 20 says this. And this is when he challenges the young man about the commandments. And the young man responds and says to him, and he answers, said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth, he said to him. He said, I followed these commandments since I was young. How did you follow them since you were young? You couldn't keep them. Hallelujah. How can you? You couldn't keep it. And, and Jesus responded, looking at him, we're told. Then Jesus, looking at him, Loved him. The Greek word here, igabisen. It's not filison, but igabisen. He loved, he looked, he loved him. You see, this word is a continuous tense. He loved him, he's loving him, and he will love him. That's the God. God loves you, he's loving you, and we will love you. Irrespective of what you do. For God so loved the world. It is take for God to love one category of people. That's where people get it wrong. That's where religion gets it wrong oftentimes. It's that when we think, oh, it's only my group of people. It's only my kind of worship. It's only my denomination. You don't know God. If you think God is limited to your denomination, you don't know God. If God is limited to your, your denomination, God help the world. God transcends denomination. God transcends anything in the world. Hallelujah, praise God. So he says, he says, we're set free from all these powers in Christ Jesus. And this is the situation Mary Magdalene found herself in. But the Lord gives a warning about this once he delivers you from these powers or he's delivered you from any power. He says this, this is in Luke chapter 11. After they say that he, does, he, he delivers people from the power of Beelzebub, one of the chief demons. And he challenges them that they're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And this way he says, if I cast demons by the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. But Jesus, he, ch- he challenges, he says later on, he goes and say, when he speaks about demonic uh, power and how he liberates people, praise God. He says this, then Jesus looking, this is, sorry, Luke chapter 11, verse 24. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, we'll take this journey, please, because this is about 
relationship with God. Yeah? He goes for a dry place, his dry place is seeking rest and finding none. He says, I'll return to my house from which I came. Okay? This is when we have a form of godliness where, where God touches us and demons disperse or demonic powers might leave in the presence of Christ. And then we go back to our old ways. We don't invite him, give him the key. What, what do I mean by this? What do you mean? You believe in Jesus and she's not in your, in, your, in, your, in your life? Yes. You have a form of godliness but no power. You have an intellectual relationship with God and not a heart relationship with God. Why? He says, you confess me with your lips, but your heart, you're far from me. Seeing you do not see and hearing you do not hear, lest you come and, and be healed and repent and be healed. So how does this work? So you mean to say, I'm a Christian, but Christ is not in me? Yes. Qualify that. We're straightforward. Revelation 3.20. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Who this? I, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. What? But I'm a church. I go to church. But it's Christ in your heart. Christ might be in your thoughts, in your mind intellectually, talk about him, know about him, but to know him and the power of his mind and be established and thrown in your heart is something completely different. Because when he's in your heart, come hell or high water, you will serve him in any capacity, in any situation. There will never be an excuse to serve God when he's established in our hearts. I wish I was speaking to someone. Luke 11, verse 24. Let me just quickly look up. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. He says, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when he, when he, has, when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. So I have a sense of religious rearrangement in our, in our, in our inner man. Yeah? And then, then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked. The power of seven yeah, then himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. So unless you do something, we have a form of God is no power. We have a, a bit of religion. We have a religious inoculation, and we, we, we fight against the real thing that's coming into our lives. The master himself is on his way, but we block his passage because we take over, and we try to think we know better than God, and we can explain the Bible, or we understand about the world better than God does. We dissect God because we know more than God. We're not teachable anymore. We have a religion, but we don't have Christ. Yeah. So what are you saying? It's worse than the last. The state of the last day of that man is worse than the first. And sometimes some people go into really the depth, low places, because they're not following the Lord's leading. We begin with a good intention, but man takes over. Our mind takes over. Our intellectualism, well, intellectualism takes over. Our academia, to, but we need God to take, take the reins because God does unusual things, unconventional things, that if you try and understand them, you'll never understand them. You need to just trust him, and his word of God will qualify what he's doing, praise God. So we see Mary Magdalene was delivered from seven demons. Can you imagine? She was delivered from sin, but she swept the place, but she never left it empty. She allowed Christ to be enthroned in her life. She wouldn't leave his side. He was sentenced, condemned to death on the cross, and she was there at the cross with him. When all those disciples who were with him, who were the men 
or run and hit, apart from John, the young evangelist, she was there at the cross. She was there at the tomb. She was the first person to see him resurrect, the most unlikely person to see him resurrect. He didn't appear to the apostles. In fact, he, she went and ran and told the apostles, and we're told they did not believe her because of her reputation. But yet God willed it for her to encounter him, to be the first to see him at the resurrection. Praise God. Hallelujah. We talk about favoritism and things like this. It wasn't because he just per se, he loves all, he's impartial. But she favored him and she made the effort and she was at the tomb. Where were the men? In the room hiding for fear of the Jews. But she was there early in the morning. And I'll rise early and I'll praise you, praise God. I don't know which category of person I'd be at, the, at that time. I don't know what will overtake us because they didn't have the fullness and feeling of the Holy Spirit. So you can excuse them. But she transcended that fear and she went to the cross. She went to the tomb. Hallelujah. Praise God. And this is what God is speaking to 2024 ACC. Be the first to go to the tomb. Be the first to go to the cross. And your life cannot be the same again because God wants to use you for this epoch, for this time, for this harvest, for this revival that's taking place, not just in Edmonton, but around the world, praise God. Things are happening. Are we ready, preparing for what lies ahead? Or are we like those who entangled with the things of the world? And any excuse to not, I want an excuse to be there. I don't want an excuse not to be there, praise God. Hallelujah, praise God. We, I, am I speaking to someone today? I pray I am. Let's, let's compare now with another person who was at the cross, who never went with his free will, his will. And it was one of the two thieves. It was two thieves. One crucified on one side, one crucified on the other, at the cross. They didn't plan to be there at that time. They made, never made a plan to be crucified at the same time of Jesus. It was the Roman judicial system that planned their execution. Coincided with the execution of the Son of God, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, of the Alpha and Omega, of the bread of life, of the one who gives the water that will never thirst again. It, was a, it wasn't actually, it was, there was something else going behind them, moving around them. They found themselves at that fateful place, on that night, on that afternoon and coming into the evening with Jesus Christ by each side, by their side. And one was just blaspheming. They must have heard something about the reputation of Jesus. But this one turns around and he makes a profound statement. He says to him in Luke 23, verse 42, Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. A simple statement that brought him paradise. Look at that. It doesn't make sense. He didn't ask for anything or in a sense to receive. He just says, remember me in your place. Don't give it to me. Just remember me. When you go to far this far place, remember me that you met this person in this place. Hallelujah. In his humility, he humbled himself. Yeah. And he repented. And he acknowledged that who he was. He knew that he was guilty, but he felt something about the righteousness 
of the person next to him. You couldn't be near Jesus without experiencing something, the, the, the vibration. And I was speaking to someone earlier, I said, look, we were talking about something about, about the, 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 the acting, the thespian you know, a, a scene, whatever you want to call it. And there are, there are some people, they go through the motions of acting, they go through their lines, rehearse the lines, say them, but they're still the same person. You don't feel anything. You're not moved by what they're doing, just reading lines. There's others who say something, read a script, and you trans you're fixated on that script, the words, the way, they the vibration of how they speak. And it change. That's why you get a Marlon Brando and a full, uh, another actor who just goes through lines because there's something different. And that's what, that's what life is about. It's like your vibration, your, your presence, you feel that presence. It's like in the sporting arena as well. You feel some people, you, you see something amazing, you drown. Other people, you just, they're doing what they're doing. They're doing the same thing, but people ignore them. It's something. And what, the amazing thing is when you're in God and God is at work in you and you lift Jesus Christ up, it cannot but impact your surroundings. Hallelujah. And, he, you know, lift Jesus and bring all, all manner of men will be drawn to him, praise God. And that's what it's about. Think about this. Don't just let it go over your head. Think about what, what's happening, what happens when you're around anointing. And it's about the anointing. And that man felt that anointing. Because the anointing can lift you up or bring you down. The anointing is, gives an aroma of life and death. It will impact either or the other. You won't, you cannot leave the same, even negative, positive. It will have that impact. It will highlight your character will expose in the presence of the anointing. If you're an evil person, your evil will be heightened and be exposed. If you have some virtue, some humility, that humility will be exposed as well, revealed and changed. So you will either change in one way or another. Pharaoh changed in an evil way, whereas when God comes close to Moses, he's meek and he changes and he serves God. So where are we inside ourselves? It's how we're wired or how we allow God to move like that makes a difference, praise God. And that's the mystery how God operates, amen? So we see, he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And we see that, Jesus' response, and I want, I want to put us in that place, in a mind, a frame of mind, in that place at the cross. What would you, if you were someone falsely accused of humanity in a situation, would you even consider the comment that the man made or the request the man made? We're too fixated on ourselves. But Jesus didn't come for himself. He came for all those who were suffering. And not only came for all those who are suffering, he put himself in the place of those who are suffering. He identified with those who are suffering. He felt the compassion and he empathized with those who are suffering. Yeah? He could have been indifferent. And the same way, when the woman came to him, who asked Phoenician, Greek Phoenician woman came and asked, or good Greek Canaanite woman came and asked, and said to him, have mercy on me, and, he, and deliver my daughter from, the, from, the, from demonic oppression, possession, he ignored her. Why didn't he ignore this man? And he ignored her, and he wanted to bring something else out, because everything that God does is to bring something out within ourselves. He squeezes us to bring something out in ourselves, praise God. Hallelujah. 
So, so he, he ignored that woman. But you need, if you read Deuteronomy chapter 7, the law was to not have mercy on the Canaanites. But because of her response, it changed his word and he's commanded his instruction to his people. He had compassion on that Canaanite woman. He changed the script for her because of her response, because of humility. God moves on the level of humility. And it was, the, it was the man by the side that expressed that humility, same humility, that moved Jesus, that brought that response from Jesus and says to him, today you should be with me in paradise. Hallelujah, praise God. Please, when you go home, pray and read your word. It's important. We're living at times, uncertain times. You don't know the next thing they're going to throw on us in this world. But God does. And God has already made provision for that. He's all made the way forward before they, before they decided what to do. God's given the answer to what the question they're going to ask. Hallelujah. That's the God that we serve. So we see Mary was there by choice. The man on the cross was there not by choice, but they were in the presence of their creator. Hallelujah, praise God. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Hallelujah. So Mary saw him at the, at the cross and she saw him at the, at the resurrection, praise God. This man saw him at the cross, and he was, his life was transformed. Hallelujah. What's our response when Jesus, when we encounter Jesus, even in our prayer closets today, even here, what is our response? Praise the Lord. And your response is not, and your experience of God is not dependent on how people see you. Whether they believe you or disbelieve you, it does not negate your relationship with God. You don't need people's approval to serve God. I wish I'm speaking to someone. You don't need people's validation to serve God. When Mary Magdalene saw him, she was the first, it says, to see him rise. Okay? And I want to qualify this very quickly before we finish. Mark chapter 16, verse 9, very quickly. I'm going to finish very shortly. And when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, the one out of whom he had cast seven demons. He appeared to her first. Why didn't he appear to Peter, who's supposed to be the head of the Roman church? Why didn't he appear to even John, who was by the cross? But he appeared to a woman of disrepute, who was considered a woman of disrepute, that the rabbis would not in public be associated with her because of her reputation. I wish I'm speaking to someone today. And she appears to her first, cast out, who cut him, whom he cast out seven demons. And then we're told this, she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. Yeah. And they responded. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. <coughs> but it does not disqualify, negate or devalue her experience. You know your experience. So just because whether people believe you or not, 
So I want to encourage you in the light of these two examples, and there's many more examples in the world, as you know, uh, that you yourself.